When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. One hour down, four to go, and it's uh, hour two of Hook Em Up on a Thursday. It's uh, not raining outside, but the roads are still slick, foggy. You can see the sunshine at some point today. I don't know. I don't know. It's been a bit. It's been a bit. I think it's still up there. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a little foggy out there. And if you are headed east of town, headed towards Houston or uh, parts between here and there, be advised, serious flooding happening in Giddings and LaGrange in that area. Uh, they had over, gosh, almost 10 inches of rain in the last couple days and uh, still raining that way. So uh, be advised if you're headed that direction this morning as you get up and out as we talk about it with you. That right there, Rod, is our, our second hour open, and that's the great Gary Clark Jr. of Austin, Texas. Um, with a great song of his, but uh, we were talking about uh, movie theme songs. This was, do we have this, Ty? This was the, I don't want to say theme song, but it was, it was what the, uh, opened up the, the Justice League, Rod. Did you ever see the Justice League, the movie? Uh, yeah. The it's Justice good, League. It was a good movie. Was it good? Yeah. Well, you'll probably heard this song, though. Here is, uh, here's Gary Clark Jr. Give me some of that there, Ty. It's a great open, by the way. Intro. Gary Clark Jr.'s take on Come Together, the Beatles classic. I like the old that. intro to Soccer Matters with Glenn Davis. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Great tune. Give, 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 give me a little G. Give me a little Gary there. And I've mentioned a couple times that uh, Gary Clark Jr. has been teasing some new music coming out this year, here soon. So we keep okay. an eye on that. Maybe a new album, uh, some new some new material from uh, Austin's own uh, Gary Clark Jr. So there you go. There's some. Uh, we're talking Kenny Loggins because hey, apparently he turned hey. down. He was the beneficiary of Toto and others turning down the, uh, the the theme to Top Gun. Smart man. Sometimes you know what you just gotta say yes. <laughs> you know he just he just said yes and turned. Was that one of the first ones he did, or was he well, already? Well, would have been the first. Well, well, I feel like his first like soundtrack hits, if you will. I, I'm just going on, on chronology of when okay. the movies came yeah. out. But uh, Kenny. So Lawrence. he's already had a little reputation for it. Man, he he definitely found himself a niche. Yeah, it's like the I always hear, I always hear the story about what was it uh, Hulk Hogan. Who say he turned down the George Foreman deal? He did. The the, grill. He, he was going to be the like basically the face of the the grill, and they they asked him, and he turned it down. He thought it was beneath him, and then George Foreman was like, "Sure, I'll do it." And then <laughs> turns out like everybody's got a damn Foreman grill in their house, and he made millions off of it because I think he had like a like a royalty deal or something that he got off of it too. Yeah, because there, there's still people that think that he invented that thing. Like some no, George Foreman came up didn't. with the grill. No, he no, did not. He just put a face on it and he got royalties from it. But nobody he made a hit though. He made a hit. I don't think it would be a hit without him, but man, that Hulk Hogan should have said, Hell yeah, I'll do it. The Hulk Hogan grill, you know what I mean? He would have sold it too. Well, it would have made sense because you just sell it back then. 
and, 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 you know, you wanted someone very likable, and yeah. that was back when Hulk Hogan was taking your vitamins. Eat your yeah. vitamins. Yeah, he's a, oh, man, he's a real American. Yeah. That's, that's before we knew who Terribalia was. Terribalia is the racist. Hulk Hogan's a great American. There you go. Remember that. Hulk Hogan just saved somebody's life. You heard that? I that? did. I saw that story. Yeah. That, Hero. Oh, well, I guess that could have been Terribalia or Hulk Hogan. But either way, good job saving somebody's life. There you go. I used to be a Hulkamaniac, so. <laughs> I was. I was Hulkamaniac. I loved me some Hulk Hogan. Hulk, I used who, to write who letters is, to Hulk Who is terrible? What did you say? Terrible who? What? The, the, oh, the Terry Balea. That's his real name. Terry Balea. Oh. That's his actual. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but that, that's his real it name. Sound like you said Terry Balea. No, no, Terry Balea. I believe is Hulk Hogan's real name. But Hulk Hogan, like I said, great American. Terry Balea, he's the one that not such a great. He, he doesn't like black people. So. <laughs> it's okay. You <laughs> liked him. You're writing letters to Hulk Hogan. I used to write letters to Hulk Hogan as a kid. Yeah. Well, I was the guy mm. in school that they thought it was funny to call me Hulk Hogan. I was like, okay, thanks. You know. Are they called Joe Hogan? Of course. That's a compliment. I know. <laughs> but it got that? old. It got old after <laughs> yeah. a while. You related to Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not related to like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. No, I am not. Oh, brother. I am not. By the way, a uh, little, <laughs> little clerical check. We were, talking about, we were giving Kenny Loggins credit for the vacation anthem, National Lampoon, the vacation original. That was actually Lindsey Buckingham who did Holiday Road. Holiday Road. That was Lindsey Buckingham. Okay. Yeah. That was a good one. Fleetwood Mac. That one just stuck. That one stuck. Yeah. That was not Kenny Loggins. I okay. can see where the confusion would come, though, because it sounds a little bit like Kenny Loggins. Uh, and an anthem he would do, or a song he would do. Hey, let's get to the headlines. We have top stories, including a massive story coming out of college slash pro football. Top Gun Reynolds and Lana Quinn bring you the top news of the morning, and it starts in the NFL. It is now a f- official. Jim Harbaugh is leaving Michigan become the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, 60-year-old fresh off leading his alma mater, Michigan, to the, their first national title since 1997. Last coach in the NFL in 2014 with the 49ers, spent four seasons there, went 44-19, led the Niners to a Super Bowl, and they lost to the Ravens, his brother, after which he bolted to take over at Michigan. A statement released last night, Harbaugh wrote, among other things, he'll always be a loyal Wolverine, grateful for his nine years in Ann Arbor, and said, quote, when I played for the Chargers, the Spanos family could not have been more gracious and welcoming. Being back here feels like home. According to multiple reports, though, this morning back in Michigan, they plan to act quickly and will hire current offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Sharon Moore to replace Harbaugh. The 37-year-old has been with that program since 2018. He acted as the Wolverines' interim coach for four games this season, including wins over Ohio State and Penn State. And Harbaugh had two separate suspensions amid ongoing NCAA investigations into recruiting violations and his role in an alleged sign-stealing scandal. Texas Longhorns, of course, will travel to Michigan in September to face now likely Coach Moore and the Wolverines. Also from the NFL, Miami Dolphins and defense coordinator Vic Fangio have mutually agreed to part ways after just one season. Widely believed the 65-year-old is headed to Philadelphia to coordinate the Eagles' defense now. Green Bay Packers have parted ways with their defensive coordinator the past three seasons, Joe Barry. In college hoops, tough night at the mood for 10th-ranked Texas. The women, they fell despite 29 from Madison Booker and 22 from Shea Holly. Longhorns lost to Oklahoma 91-87. Afterwards, Vic Shea for the head coach, not real happy with the Longhorns' energy and effort in that game. Also won the 40 Acres, Texas baseball right-hander LeBaron Johnson Jr. Named the 2024 Big 12 preseason pitcher of the year, while incoming outfielder Will Gasparino was named the league's preseason freshman of the year um, by the by the vote of the, the media. In addition to Johnson, uh, outfielder Porter Brown was named to the preseason All-Big 12 team. Head coach David Pierce's Longhorns will play their annual alumni game coming up February 3rd. They'll open the regular season hosting the University of San Diego on the 16th of February. In the NBA, all three Texas teams in action last night. All three took losses on their home floor. Uh, San Antonio a lot drilled by Oklahoma City, 140 to 114. Mavericks fell to Phoenix, 132-109. Devin Booker poured in 46, and Houston lost at home to Portland, 137-131 in overtime. And a done deal in Milwaukee now. One day after the team fired first-year head coach Adrian Griffin, the Bucks are hiring longtime NBA coach Doc Rivers to be his replacement. 
Horror Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new Buta location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Uh, Jim Harbaugh taking over the L.A. Chargers. Uh, nobody, Everybody's excited about it, but there's no one more excited than Justin Herbert. It's got to be. I mean, he's got to be the most excited person right now on the planet getting Jim Harbaugh with a proven winner. And the guy wins right away. He also has a reputation for being a quarterback whisperer, quarterback nurturer. He was a quarterback himself. In fact, ironically, I think the last place he played quarterback, you said, was San Diego, right? That was the end of his career. So he starts his, uh, you know, back up, his reinvention of his coach, NFL uh, coaching uh, career with the L.A. Chargers. But I think for Justin Herbert, who is the narrative was starting to develop about Justin Herbert, um, and it was not a good one, it's not a positive one, and I think it was mostly due to the – the failings and the underachieving roster overall more so than him. Cause I do think Justin Herbert is a hell of a young quarterback and Harbaugh is known for getting the most out of players. He is known for that. He's known for getting the most out of players and he's known for having a brand of football. Harbaugh's teams have an identity. And the one thing that the chargers have lacked for the last, I don't know, last couple of decades, I, it's like, I can remember they don't have an identity. Like, I don't know. When I think of Charger football, I can't even tell you the style of play or the brand of football they play. No, they don't I mean, really you don't know. And look, as we talked about, this is, this is a, a, an about face and a, and a big change for the Spanos family. They have always been seen as a cheap ownership group, yes. course, especially when they were back in San, San Diego. And their last three coaches, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, um, Brandon Staley, mm-hmm. those were underwhelming coaches in big picture. I and mean, they were assistant coaches. Um, you know, people would argue that they were going cheap on the coach kind of thing, not investing in a coach that's got a resume and a pedigree like this one. This is a big, big change for San Diego or L.A., I should say, to go and bring in the biggest name on the market, right, and out, you know, mm-hmm. give him an offer he can't refuse. Let me correct that, that he played in San Diego in 99. He was the backup and signed to be Ryan Leaf's backup, but Leaf got hurt, and he actually played that whole season and led them to an 8-8 eight and eight season in 1999. Okay. There you go. Old man, too. 1999. And then he, he had uh, cups of coffee the following two years in Detroit and somewhere else. But, oh, okay, uh, so that wasn't the last yeah, place. Yeah, the last, last place it was, you know, Detroit and Carolina, but he was, he was done at that point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So That's because he played. Yes, and so that was a heart, you know, good, good heartfelt story. He led them to an 8-8 eight and eight season. Ryan Leaf got hurt. But, you know, this is, this is a change for them. This is, this is the Spanos okay. saying, saying, you know what? It wasn't working. This has not been working <laughs> the, for the more definition than a of insanity. Now. Exactly. It's not working. Let's change it up, guys. Yeah, and, and I remember when Mike McCoy was hired, he was hired because he was working with Peyton Manning in I Denver. I remember that. And it's like, well, how much are you coaching Peyton Manning? <laughs> He's 35 years old. I mean, how much coaching are you doing with him? That's, that's a great He's point. pretty much a coach on the field. Uh, <laughs> and they hired him, and it, you know, and what do you know, with Phillip Rivers, it was okay. And that's, what, that's how the Chargers have been. They've been good okay. and just yeah. can't get uh, over the hump. And is this the guy to do it? And that's been kind of the story of Michigan. Mm-hmm. before Jim Harbaugh. And it took Jim Harbaugh nine years to turn Michigan into a national champion. Remember the first half of his career there and, and tenure wasn't great. They were no. they had to take a pay cut and it was, it was not working, couldn't beat Ohio State and those kind of things. That was actually one of the turn- turnarounds that took a while for him. Yes, it did. The other, his other turnarounds were quick. Yeah. Like he won right away at San Fran, run right away at, at Stanford. I think it was the, was it San Diego. Maybe that took a little while, wherever he was there. Yeah, he was at the University of San Diego. So maybe that took a little while. But Stanford and San Fran were quick. Well, I think – I, I Double-digit you know, games, right, at I'm pretty San sure Fran. I'm pretty sure the University of San Diego, when he was there, was a non-scholarship school. 
Okay, so it, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was building it. And so that was his first. Yeah. We know his father has been a, was a Hall of Fame coach himself and a longtime coach. That's how he grew up. So and his brother is, is doing a great job in Baltimore. So it's a coaching family. So you knew he was going to get into it when he got out of football. Family business. Out of playing. And, yeah, you're right. He's been highly successful everywhere he's been. And that's why that it took so long in his alma mater was, was bizarre. I was like, wow, why is this taking so long for Jim Harbaugh? I take that back. Sandy, he went 74 and then went 11 and 1. So it, that takes, that's the one that took a while. I guess that's the one. Stanford, I guess that did take a little while for him because he goes 4 and 8, 5 and 7, 8 and 5, and then the 12 and 1. So Stanford was the one that took a while. Everywhere else, I should say, was was rather but, quick. Because even at Michigan, I mean, he wins double-digit games the first two years. But to your point, you know exactly what the style of play will be. Yes. No secret. It's going to be it's going to be physical. physical yeah. Hard-nosed running team. Great defense. And well coached. And now you build it around a, a quarterback who's got an elite ability to throw the football. Uh, just needs a structure like that. I think I don't. You know, that's we'll see. But he that's got to be part of the reason why he took the job to have a quarterback in place like Justin Herbert, who's you know headed into the prime years of his career, and you can build around that. Um, get tougher on defense, and then they've got the fifth pick in the draft. So a lot to like about that Chargers opportunity. But it is in a very tough division that features the Chiefs and the now the Denver Broncos with Sean Payton. Coaching wise. I mean, I don't know. What's the last time we've seen three Hall of Fame coaches in the same division like that? And I, I know Jim Harbaugh's not going to be a pro football Hall of Famer just yet, but I do think he could he could coach his way into it <laughs> in the next few years. Andy Reid is in. Sean Payton, I think, is going to be a pro football Hall of Famer too as a coach, um, potentially, you know, depending on how this career finishes. But those are, man, those are some – that's a hell of a coaching, coaching division, period. I don't know if there's a better coach division in the – in the NFL now. Yeah, well, I mean, as far as resumes and, and who they are, for sure. Because um, it's not the Cowboys division. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going I guess like you McC- could go <laughs> AFC North because you got Tomlin and you got Harbaugh. You got another Harbaugh. <laughs> so you go AFC North with that. And if you, it I don't think there's a, there's a division with I me mean, because you would also say the NFC West with your guy Shanahan and Sean McVay. And, they're in there. And but Pete, Shanahan's got Pete Carroll. Shana, now he's gone. Yeah, sure. Shanahan's got to win a Super Bowl, though. That's right. That's right. No, as far as his, his accomplishment and what they've done and the names that they are, I think you have Sean Payton, Andy Reid, and Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. in one, one division is pretty, pretty ridiculous. Antonio Pierce, hey, one of those things is not like the other. I will give him credit, though, not him, but the organization, all of them. Um, they're bringing in. Uh, Tom Telesco? To be the GM in who uh, helped, Vegas. Who helped build the Chargers. Yeah, into I mean, a very talented roster that he, was undercoached. Yeah. All those guys on that roster now, I believe Tom Telesco kind of brought in. He did. So at least he knows you know, that roster really well. He knows one of your opponents really well. That's also a plus. To bring it him is. In. He'll know, at least he'll know the roster. I don't know if he'll know how they're going to utilize him. He'll know the roster. But he's back to the West Coast, right? I mean, he's always, whenever he's, he's always been on the West Coast as a, yeah. as a coach outside of the Michigan job. Uh, for sure. Uh, somebody said he didn't win big at Michigan until he started cheating. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, this is a guy that knows about loopholes, okay? He likes to look for loopholes. And we talked about it. Did he Did he stall play this out to long play this Chargers job to maybe save the Michigan thing, kind of force the hand of Sharon Moore, and then maybe keep that roster together because school's already – school's been in, in, in session for two weeks at Michigan already. Yeah. Um, and you know. around the country, you know, their ad drop dates either have like expired, passed, or are getting ready. Texas, I think, next week yeah. is their last ad drop date, which is the last time you can academically admit a student, which are student athletes still. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do, these players. We'll follow, and I do think keeping Sharon Moore and most of that staff intact gives them the best chance 
chance to keep the continuity and keep a lot of that roster together that's not already leaving to go to the NFL like J.J. McCarthy. All right, that's some uh, NFL news. Obviously, it's a big story with Jim Harbaugh. also pertains to the college ranks with Michigan. We'll follow it as we go. But right now, it's time for Rod's first rants of a Thursday morning. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, a couple of little nuggets that I want to get to here about the NFC title game. Yesterday we talked about the AFC title game a lot. Uh, We'll get back to previewing the Ravens and the Chiefs. uh, But we want to talk a little bit about the NFC side of things, the 49ers and the Detroit Lions. Uh, First thing uh, that I think is interesting, well, we'll get into uh, the matchup-wise. I I got some – a nugget that I think is interesting in terms of the matchup between the 49ers and the Lions. But I think first off, you got to talk about the loss of Dio Samuel. Uh, right now, he's about 50-50 uh, whether he's going to be available for the 49ers. And without Debo Samuel, we talked about this, 49ers are a different team, different offense without him. Uh, they're 8-9. Um, with with uh, Samuel inactive over the, his career, an 0-2 record uh, without him this season. If they if he doesn't play at all in the game, uh, not with just him leaving a game early, um, they're just uh, they're a offense built on the multiplicity and the many weapons that he have that are multiple in their skill set guys that are movable chess pieces and just the loss of one of those guys really changes how much pressure and how many problems you present to the opposing defense just makes it but that's why Brandon Ayuk is a thousand yard receiver because Brandon Ayuk if you're a defensive coordinator the fear factor <laughs> that you have to worry about with Christian McCaffrey be moving around from running back to wide receiver Debo Samuel same thing from wide receiver running back usually you're bracketing those guys you're putting multiple defenders or allocating multiple defenders to defend them because they're moving them around so much depending on if they motion to this side of the field depending on if they motion to this side of the formation depending on if they're in the backfield who's going to uh, defend them in the slot who's going to defend them and it takes multiple defenders it takes you being malleable to have solutions to all the problems that that offense is going to present and in addition to that they have use check who also they move around a lot now use check is not going to necessarily be a guy that gets bracket coverage but when he's in the backfield it changes the kind of the power element of the offense because then they can run power football then you're talking about putting extra defenders in the box uh, to go from being a run heavy offense or a run heavy set to being a pass heavy set they can do that instantly so we have so many movable chess pieces but you take away one of those and it is less pressure on the defense there are less problems the defense has to solve. It makes it a lot easier to defend that 49ers offense, and the numbers back that up too. Um, so that's going to be, I think, one of the biggest factors, not the biggest factor, is Debo Samuel going to be available. Because if he's available, you've got to pay attention to him. Um, even if they don't use him, even as a diversion, even as him being a decoy, he's still impactful in that way, just his presence alone. But if he ain't out there, Trust me, guys, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a lot easier for the defensive coordinator, for Aaron Glenn to sleep for the, for the Detroit Lions. All right, here's a little nugget I found that if you're a 49er fan, it should worry you just a little bit. Because I think Dan Campbell, if anybody's going to attack the 49ers in this way, it would be a Dan Campbell team. 
Um, and Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, has a lot of creative ways uh, in the, to really to really maximize the running game. And he got Jameer Gibbs, who is just an absolute blur coming out of the backfield. This season, rushing outside the tackles, the Detroit Lions are fifth in rushing yards per game, rushing outside the tackles. That's mostly because of speed they have. And Jameer Gibbs, if you've watched the Detroit Lions, you've seen his ability to get to the edge is unbelievable. Nobody, I don't think his running back gets to the edge as fast as he does in the league. No. <laughs> it's a blur. I mean, he's a 4-3 guy. Yeah. And he plays fast. And he play, he, 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 we saw that here in Austin when he played for yes. Alabama last year. I mean, the guy's just got elite speed. And Man. You can't give him a – No. He, he, he gone. He, he you gone. give him a little bit. There were a couple runs against the Bucks where he didn't get grabbed by a shoelace. He was going to be – off to the races. And I know they, the linebackers of the 49ers are fast, but he's still going to test them. I mean, that dude, like I said, he can get there. Well, they have a, they have a really good offensive line in, uh, in one Detroit, the, anchored by Penny Sewell. Tight end play. And, was, then, and, they so, and they have D- David Montgomery, who's the between-the-tackles guy, who can hump it up in there, former Iowa State running back and bear. And then you got Jameer Gibbs, such a great one-two punch. Thunder and lightning yeah, man. kind of thing going. Um, and Ben look, Johnson does a real good job utilizing them, their strengths. Yep. No, no question. And I know going against 49ers, you think, oh, man, the 49ers rush defense has got to be pretty stout. It is, but not outside the tackles. Um, and that's where the Detroit Lions run game is elite. Like I said, fifth in rushing yards per game outside the tackles. They're fourth in yards before contact per rush. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, usually you, this, you don't even get a hand on these guys before they already get to the edge and get to the perimeter. Like I said, that's Jameer Gibbs, as he just mentioned. Nobody even touched him in that last game a couple of times when he got to the perimeter. And if you look at 10-plus yard rushes, uh, they're tied for third out uh, rushes outside the tackle. And you're going to look at the 49ers defense, 28th in rushing yards uh, per game allowed outside the tackles, uh, yards before contact per rush, 29th in yards before contact per rush out, uh, south the tackles. And if you look at 10-plus yard rushes uh, defended outside the tackles, they're tied for 24th. It's actually one of the weakest parts of 49ers game, which is so strange because they're so – Stout and they're so formidable on the edges, and they got a really good linebacking core. But for some reason, teams have been able to attack them outside on the edges. The problem for that is you can't run the ball for long because, like all these teams actually that are left, they're front runners. They get a lead on you, and then you have to abandon the run anyway. He's like, oh, I got to abandon the run. I got to start throwing the football anyway. So teams don't really get a chance to take advantage and exploit that weakness, not for too long. You got probably the first quarter. Maybe, maybe the first half to do it. And if you don't do it then, then there's a good chance that the 49ers have pulled away or they're already pulling away from you. And I think that, that ultimately is, I think, why teams have not been able to exploit it. I mean, 49ers are third behind the Ravens, who are first, uh, and the Cowboys were second. Sorry, Cowboys fans. <laughs> uh, at, at first half scoring differential, plus 108. After And, and the Lions are fourth, but the Lions are at plus 81. That's a big-time drop-off. You know what? So the the 49ers, they're front-running team. The stat's been thrown out there all the time that, you know, they have only one win. Shano has only one win when uh, down in the fourth quarter, you know, anywhere from five to eight points, a one-position deficit in the fourth quarter from five to eight points. And the reason is because he's, he's a, it's a front-running blueprint. It's a front-running model. And, and honestly, Sark's got kind of Sark's got one of those too. Sark, Sark's blueprint is kind of meant to stay ahead um, and kind of choke the life out of you with the run game late. But the 49ers, they are almost flawed to that extent. Well, it's even hard for them to win one possession games in the fourth quarter. 
And does that go to quarterback? And also Kyle Shanahan's record is, what, 0-30 before last week? It's kind of a system. It's both. Because you're right about the quarterbacks. That's a big part of it. Uh, by the way, Aaron Jones went for 108 yards against that 49ers defense last year or last week uh, on 18 carries. So you know you can run on this Niners. And the you one, on you know, by the way, the uh, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions is Ben Johnson. Boomer Esiason is saying it's a lock that he's going to be the new head coach of the Washington Commanders when the season ends for the Lions, whenever that happens. A lock. That's Boomer Esiason. Wow. He called it a lock. It's a lock okay. that Ben Johnson's going to get that job in Washington. And the other thing Ben Johnson does a good job of. Because you're so worried about Jameer Gibbs on the perimeter. Think about that 30 yard, 31-yard touchdown run against Tampa last week. That was right up the gut. Yep. But you're so worried about the perimeter yeah. with him. That guy sprinting to the outside yeah. with all the motion and stuff. And then he runs a little yeah. draw play up the gut, and you are, you are, I mean, he didn't get touched until the safety Antoine Moonfield missed him. <laughs> That's a great point, yeah. Uh, and they, they attack you. They attack Every part of the field, they do, and that's because they and they got cause they got really good tight ends. Amonra St. Brown is a he's an All Pro. <laughs> uh, they got well. You talked about top five O line. We don't talk about the O line enough. They got a top five O line too. Here's one more nugget to keep in mind. I know we're up against it here. Um, the Detroit Lions outdoors on grass. Ooh. They are different. Um, and they haven't had a lot of experience really this season um, outside the dome. Um, how about this? The uh, the Lions, they have only played one true outdoor game on grass since November. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Their offense only put up 13 points in a loss to Chicago. Yeah. Jared Goff only threw for, what, 161 yards in that game. They are different outside. The Lions have been dome warriors, basically. They played outside uh, once in the past 12 games. That was the Chicago game I just mentioned. And every other road game. At Chargers, at Saints, at Vikings, at Cowboys in a dome. Wow, yeah, they're the so, Dome Warriors. They are the Dome Warriors. Keep that in mind. This will not be that. You mentioned yeah. uh, the Debo Samuel difference oh, uh, this big. season. They're twelve and two with him in the, on the field. They're zero and three in games he doesn't play in. Uh, Debo Samuel and then the Forty Nine ers are fifty three and twenty three with him in the lineup since he joined the team and eight and nine without him. So. That yeah. will be a factor if oh, he yeah. can't play in this and game. And then we see the difference. Isn't it like a two-touchdown difference? It is. Points per scoring? Game. Points per game. <laughs> two-touchdown well, difference. And Brock Purdy's quarterback rating goes through the roof when Debo's on the field. And it yeah. goes down way back, way back when he's not. Yeah. For all the reasons you just said, it's, it's easier to defend that team without. Because when you have Debo and Christian McCaffrey, I mean, oh, it's just man. two Swiss Army knives. That I, just, gotta, I basically got to bracket both of them. Yeah, I got to. I got to double I, both these guys. Makes it, and it, which opens things up for Kittle and Ayuk and just makes that offense what, it, what Kyle Shanahan has envisioned it. When you yep. take one of those pieces off and give McCaffrey credit, McCaffrey stayed healthy this year. He hasn't dealt with any injuries. To That's a good point. A lot of guys did that we thought would get hurt. Tua stayed healthy. That was big for him. Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Uh, stayed last healthy. years, end of the year, he's been yeah. banged up. Uh, now he's healthy and they're you know, playing great. All right, good stuff right there with Rod's rant. NFL Final Four coming up this weekend. Uh, first game is the AFC game, Chiefs-Ravens at 2. And then uh, just after 5 o'clock, it'll be the uh, nightcap 49ers hosting the uh, it's kind of America's team right now. I think everybody's kind of rooting for the Lions if you don't have a team just because Hard it's such a cool, cool story. Yeah. Uh, and they've kind of adopted Eminem. We're talking about theme songs for movies with Kenny Loggins. They've kind of gone with the uh, the, the Eminem classic. Uh, uh, well, oh, Lose Yourself. Okay. 
Lose yeah. yourself? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. And Eminem's a big Lions fan, obviously, from eight, oh, yeah. eight miles Detroit, baby. in Detroit. All right, we'll come back. We'll pick these up. Uh, conversations up more on Jim Harbaugh. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Yeah, a lot going on. Michigan uh, in search of a new head coach. Looks like it's going to happen pretty quickly with Sharon Moore, Jim Harbaugh to the L.A. Chargers, and we've got championship Sunday on tap in the National Football League. By the way, Rod, the uh, Michigan Athletic Award Manual upon Jim Harbaugh officially accepting the Chargers deal uh, had a statement that said, we have been discussing the new contract that would make Jim the highest paid coach in college football. In the end, he wanted to explore and ultimately decided to pursue a return to coaching in the NFL. Jim has uh, always been extremely upfront with his communication regarding NFL opportunities, has been helpful with this transition in leadership. We had a great conversation tonight when he informed me of his decision. He offered his assistance in helping identify the needs for the program moving forward. We are working quickly to hire the next coach for the program, and we'll do everything possible to keep this current staff and team together. So, Man. Looking like Sharon Moore. Yeah, definitely going to be him. That's no doubt. That's who Jim Harbaugh wants it to be, and it seems like that's who the you know the administration wants it to be. So it, it seems like everybody's on board for that being the case, and the way the timeline works out, uh, most of those players are going to at least have to – they're going to be in a position where they're going to be – almost forced because of the timeline to give Sharon Moore and the new coaching staff and new regime a chance, at least through the spring. Yeah, at least. At least which, through the spring. Which, and, of course, Sharon Moore was the head coach on six occasions or four yeah, occasions four this occasions. year. And he's been there for six years. And listen, I'm not going to forget Sharon Moore coached that team, but Jim Harbaugh was able to coach during the whole week. He just yeah. couldn't be there at the game. Yeah. Which is different than being suspended for four weeks, right? To not even be there all week long. Very true. He still was a part of He's the install. Not with them for twenty four yeah. to forty eight hours. Yeah, just on the field. <laughs> Which, you know, that's got its own and he beat Penn State at Penn State, beat Ohio State, um, on the field in both of those games. And then so, he cried uh, after you know, and then he well you cried, cried big time after the Penn State. Cried, game. dropped some F bombs. Is that mad. really the the look he you want from your head coach? And thank and he thanked the Lord. He think he well, He thanked the Lord, dropped F bombs and also cried. So <laughs> did all that in like 30 seconds. Hyper-emotional, so, yeah. for sure. Very <laughs> emotional. Well, we'll see. I mean, this is, uh, you know, I'm sure. I think if you pulled most Michigan fans, they'd be happy with this just because, you know, could you go out and hire a better coach possibly? But they just saw what happened with Alabama, right? You opened the portal, mm-hmm. but you're right timing-wise. We're going to talk to Jerry Hamilton at the top of the hour from On3Sports, their senior recruiting advisor and analyst, and what, what's he hearing from Michigan as far as players and player movement now that oh. this is official and they have 30 days? Uh, what's the timeline look like? And uh, did Jim Harbaugh slow play this and long play it to be able to, you know, use the calendar to the Michigan advantage? Of course he did. For sure he did. I mean, there's no doubt. I want Jerry, Jerry's thoughts. <laughs> it's on a what theory, he, though, but yeah. Also, we'll talk to Jerry about Texas and uh, the uh, commitments they've landed over a, over a big junior weekend and uh, defensive line coach, what he's hearing on that front from the from the Texas Longhorns. So all things with Jerry Hamilton just after the top of the hour headlines. Also talking NFL and Championship Sunday. Rob, there's also the, uh, the really uh, – I don't know what the word is, kind of ugly story down from Texas State where D.J. Kinney was, you know, historically good in his first year at Texas State. Led them to their first ever bowl win. Offense took off, right? And the leader of that offense was a guy named T.J. Finley, right, the quarterback who came in from Arkansas. Yes. And he had a great year. Led them to that bowl win up in the Metroplex, up at SMU. A first ever bowl win for the program. They beat Rice. Well, so that bought out the beer at the stadium too. Bought out the I mean drank the place dry <laughs> drank it in dry. North Dallas. I mean, just, come on, man. <laughs> Who are you dealing with here? You're dealing with Texas State. <laughs> we know how to party, man. Order some extra extra coldies. <laughs> <laughs> well, so TJ Finley uh was the quarterback into the offseason 
and a couple of days, and so and then so here here's what's uncertain is that G.J. Kinney uh, brought in a kid named Jaden Delora through the transfer portal, and then T.J. Finley jumped into the portal and transferred to Western Kentucky. There are those there at Texas State that would tell you that T.J. Finley was, would not give the staff assurances that he wasn't going to enter the portal. Okay. So they the 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 addition of Jaden Delora was to get ahead of that that they they were. I couldn't get him to, to confirm it, and there were rumblings and rumors that he was going to enter the portal, and he was doing some, you know, back, you know, tampering, okay. <laughs> back channel work mm-hmm. on where his opportunities would be. Okay. Well, so he jumped in the, so they they actually brought in Jaden Delora from Arizona State, and then T.J. Finley got into the portal and he transferred and he's going to Western Kentucky now, um, you know, third school in three years for him. Wow. Uh, but now Jaden Delora, turns out, uh, has withdrawn from school because it became a big controversial topic on campus with the Texas State student body that um, before he left Arizona State, uh, Dolores settled a civil Arizona. lawsuit that stemmed uh, – Arizona, I should say. I was saying it keeps on Arizona State. Arizona. Uh, Dolores settled a civil lawsuit that stemmed from a 2018 sexual assault case back when Ooh. he was in high school in Hawaii. Okay. Uh, he and a teammate um, pled guilty in juvenile court to second-degree sexual assault, and that stemmed all the way back to 2018 when he was at St. Louis High School in Hawaii, okay. uh, Honolulu. And then he, he's, he's bounced around, but he was at Arizona last year as the quarterback. But then he got beat out by Noah Fafita. Yep, Fafita. Fafita stepped in and yeah. took over and great year. helped he Jed hurt. Fish. He got hurt four games in. Well, but, but you know, I think he was healthy enough to come back, and Fafita was just playing so well uh, that he was – you know, that's the future. Now, look, then Jed Fish goes 9-3, and three, wins the Alamo Bowl, and he's now the coach at Washington. So we know all this transition. So point being, uh, Delora transfers to Texas State, but there was an, uh, an outcry on campus. There was a protest planned for tomorrow oh. where they're going to protest the coach bringing in a player with a sexual assault background. And, uh, you know, G.J. Kinney, in, in, in immediate uh, response, put out a statement saying that they vetted the player and this was in high school and uh, wasn't a felony and all these things. That didn't go over well either. So now he is withdrawn. He's not going to play football at Texas State. So now essentially Texas State doesn't have a quarterback going into the, oh. going into the winter workouts, uh, at least a, an established quarterback. And there are those at Texas State saying that, uh, you know, Delora gave in to the pressure and should have stuck through it, and it's become a pretty ugly situation. Uh, student body was pretty clear and convinced on what their side of it was. Um, yeah. you, you can't be bringing a player on campus that could put us in jeopardy. So it's a weird and, and bizarre situation. We'll have to dig into it, but keep an eye on that because T.J. Finley is now at Western Kentucky. Jane Delora is now withdrawn from school. I, and, he got cleared by two different programs. I don't see what the issue here was, especially since yeah, he was I mean, a, I mean, yeah, I mean, what he probably what he did and pl- did and pled guilty to. I don't know exactly what happened that's probably terrible but people do deserve second chances and two bigger programs have already vetted the situation and, and cleared him to play so i i don't i don't know it's it's well but so but weird the, to me right and and because he had played at two other places but it was two days before he withdrew Dolores settled the civil lawsuit that stemmed from the 2018 mm. You know, okay. situation. So yeah, there are more questions and answers in this case. And GJ Kinney, at the end, because there are Texas State fans in there. Well, why did you let TJ Finley go? Um, but he, what I've heard is that TJ Finley wouldn't assure the coaches that he wasn't going to yeah. jump in the portal. And so they were trying to be proactive because they had an opportunity to get a hold of a quarterback uh, who could run their system. So yeah, we'll we'll have to dig into that. But keep an eye on what's happening down at Texas so, State. So they'll have to wait to the next portal window to Probably. try to go after a quarterback. And uh, then what do you? Not to say you waste a spring, but you really want that spring to be devoted to your quarterbacks getting reps <laughs> to get ready for, you know, 
fall training camp. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, you, you may go into not, spring without your without a quarterback. So yeah, oh man, that's brutal. And yeah. you'll be very limited in your options in that that other portal in yeah, um, that transfer window. And to Ty's point, Delora started the first four games at Arizona, then suffered that injury. Noah Fafita stepped in and earned Pac-12 Freshman of the Offensive Player of the Year honors, threw for over 3,000 yards and 25 touchdowns. So, um, yeah, that's – You can never have too many quarterbacks, man. Yeah, and, and so that leads to, of course, as Ty said, you know, did they succumb to the pressure? Should they have stuck with it? In the end, it sounds like uh, it was Jaden Delora who decided just to, to withdraw and not deal with the – you know, the, the protests and those kind of things. And it's a, it's a pretty ugly situation down at Texas State, and now Texas State needs a quarterback. Yeah, that is ugly. Um, and, yeah, I don't, that doesn't seem like there are any uh, easy solutions to it. Uh, it seems like that's a lot of hard decisions that have to be made, whether you're uh, going to support the young man trying to keep him there or whether uh, you're deciding to move on from him. Or, I like, he made your decision easy for you, I guess, deciding to step, step away. And, and they had to have known yeah. about this before they – Offered him no, they, spot, did, they, they, right? they just didn't know the blowback was going. They, they were they were gauging the blowback. They were just trying to wait. I think to they see misread the room. How, on yeah, that case, yeah, they miscalculated how you know how how people would respond to it, and they were just they were hoping that it would be, you know, just a very low level uh, amount of blowback. But no, it turns out well, the protests were planned it, and stuff it, like that. To Ty's point, it, it, why wasn't it a, a you know a protesting situation in Arizona when he was brought in to play quarterback? It might there. have been. That's the thing, right? And that's what we don't know. We don't know. Well, well he was at Washington State before that too, right? Right. Yeah, he was. He originally started there and then ended up at Arizona. And then he was coming to Texas State uh, because Noah Fafita had taken over at Arizona. Uh, these things get dizzying is uh, who's oh, going where. Yeah. And T.J. Finley will be at Western Kentucky next year. This says go get Charles Wright. Charles Wright, the uh, former Texas backup, is now at Coastal Carolina. No, no, Appalachian, Appalachian State. State. App State. Yeah. Yeah, he would have been perfect. Yeah, he would have been. That would have been a great kid. That would have been a really good one for him. There, uh, there would be a quarterback available. He's got a system that is it's, – it's attractive to QBs because they'll be prolific in that system. It's a QB-friendly system. So he'll be able to get a young quarterback. It's just you don't have to spring to work with him like you wanted to. You'll just have to get him in that, you know, that later portal. And I know people don't believe tampering is happening, but, you know, tampering is, is, is a reality. <laughs> uh, so they'll get, a, they'll get a quarterback. They just won't have time to work with him. Yeah, and he won't, get, he won't get to take them through the spring, yeah. which uh, you know will be unfortunate. So, uh, but you know what? At the same time, uh, you know, did GJ Kinney do the full vetting, and how did all that play out? And did he misread his own campus and how that was going to play uh, down at Texas State? So, thoughts on that? We'll take them. If you have more info, you can hit us on the text line five one two four four seven three seven seven six. GJ Kinney did a hell of a job in year one, but uh, this is a bit of a bit of a, a stumble here through the month of January. Jim Harbaugh is off to the NFL. We'll talk about the ramifications. Also, as we mentioned, Jerry Hamilton, the uh, senior recruiting analyst on 3 Sports, joins us with all the latest at the top of the hour. Coming back, though, we go bullish or BS. Some big topics from around the sports landscape. It's Hook Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, time for bullish or BS before the top of the uh, 8 o'clock hour here. Top of 7 into the 8 o'clock hour. Bullish on this statement, Rod and Ty. The hiring of Jim Harbaugh by the L.A. Chargers is and will be the best coaching hire of this offseason. Bullish or BS? Mm. Immediate yeah. success or just long term? Just, you know, yeah, immediate and big picture. This is, this is the best organizational hire of this cycle. Or, yeah. or can or will someone do better? Unless I mean, I, unless yeah, Mike Rabel or Bill Belichick. 
I, I don't know. Unless they find the perfect spot, I, I think yes. I'm bullish on that. Um, yeah, I say right now because you had four other jobs that open, and you said Ben Johnson is trending toward at least one that, of the that's quarter, quarter, the boomer size that he may be going to Washington. Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator for the Ravens. Um, hell, I don't know which one of these jobs that he's going to get, but um, he might be a front runner somewhere. Yeah, right now, I think you're right, but that division. Tough. Tough. Yeah, well, it's a good roster. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say someone's less, more proven than Jim Harbaugh, uh, a proven winner who's everywhere he goes, he wins. It took a while at Michigan, but he ended up taking them to their first national title in a long time. No, I'm bullish on it. It's, yeah, this cycle it is because Bel- Belichick might not be getting the gig. Yeah, we're waiting on Bill Belichick. Yeah. And, by the way, the rumors percolating, like I did that out of Seattle, percolating. Where I like that. The coffee thing. Yeah, yeah, nice. Of reports of a kind of combo deal in Seattle with Dan Quinn hired as the head coach and Chip Kelly as offensive coordinator. I saw that. What would that do for you? You bullish on that? Dan Quinn to run the team and the defense, and then Chip Kelly from UCLA to run the offense in the great Northwest. Uh, I'm kind of bullish on that, actually. That sounds kind of sexy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Sounds sexy. Now, who's going to be – who gets final say? Is it John Snyder? Who well, gets final would, say? The, coach, the head, head coach. coach would be Dan so Quinn. So Dan Quinn gets final yeah. say over everything? Yeah, he's the leader of men. You know? Chip, Chip Kelly has struggled with that in the past. Yeah. He's just going to coordinate the offense. Yeah, okay. And develop either Geno Smith or whatever quarterback they bring in. Okay. My concern would just be, you know, I, I think Dan Quinn's defenses match up, you know, schematically. Oh, he's conceptual, I should say, with Shan- Shanahan and Sean McVay's offenses. But I don't know, the last couple of times he's faced those offenses had been great. The last couple of times. Well, and their defense was really bad in Seattle last year, but they got a lot of young talent, and they're trying to build it, and that would be the Dan Quinn task. Of course, he was the defensive coordinator there. They got a lot of secondary weeks. talent. Yeah, they do. Too. Yeah, they got a bolster yeah. uh, on that defense. And John Schneider is now in charge with the, with the general manager spot. Uh, so we'll keep an eye there. But John, Jim Harbaugh is in, and we'll see. Could this be a Harbaugh-Harbaugh college, you know, college national championship for Jim? Super Bowl championship for John. Never Might that. be a really good year at the Harbaugh house. Uh, bullish or BS, I saw Mel Kuyper. He's already coming out with his mock drafts, his I latest mock draft. We talked about this. Jane Daniels already ahead of Drake May um, in the mock draft for Mel Kuyper. He's at number two uh, quarterback. They go one, two, and three. But he's got Caleb Williams going number one overall. He's got Jaden Daniels going number two overall. And then he's got Drake May at three. Yeah, I'd be bullish on that. I think uh, I think you know what Jaden Daniels did this year at LSU was was unbelievable. He won the Heisman Trophy on a three three loss team, mm. but I mean accounted for almost you know over five thousand yards, yeah. uh, which ridiculous Lamar Jackson type stuff. So yes, I would I would do that. And Drake May's got some 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 pretty ugly film from this year that uh, you have to take pause and take take into consideration. Uh, if you're talking about, you know, number two quarterback off the board after Caleb Williams. But uh, I think that's right. But I do think they'll both go in the top five. Oh, like All three out. go in the top five. Yeah. Um, so, and think... at this point, we know it's Chicago, Washington, New England with those top three picks. Oh, Ben Johnson with Jaden Daniels. Potentially. Ooh, that's sexy. Yeah. They're at the like Washington that. Commanders mm-hmm. after the Chicago Bears. And somehow the Chicago Bears will screw it up and not take Caleb Williams. Of and, course they will. Know, they'll, they'll stick with Justin Fields. Uh, all right, bullish or BS, uh, despite the fact – Guys, that uh, he is, he's lost an NBA record 12 series when holding a series lead. He's lost 32 closeout games as an NBA head coach and lost an NBA record 10 game sevens. Doc Rivers was the right coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. Bullish or BS? No. <laughs> that, that dude has been, his career has been carried on the fact that he won a championship with three Hall of Famers on his team. 
in Boston. Yeah, with the kid with KG and Paul Pierce and Rondo too. I mean, Rondo, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ray Allen. He's proved he time be- and time again that he he cannot get it done in the big moment. Yes, that that I don't disagree with in the big moment. But is he an upgrade over the other and, best who coach? lasted forty four games? I mean, <laughs> something that something had to be going on in the locker room there for that guy to get fired. They, they, well, I mentioned yesterday. You know, I mean, they give up one hundred and twenty points a game. It's the fact that they don't play defense, and he can't get them to play defense. Well, Dame Lillard doesn't play defense. Well, they think was well, that yeah, you got rid of the best uh, defensive guard in the NBA and Drew Holiday, and you replaced him true. with with Dame Lillard, who well, obviously is, has is a volcano offensively, but he does not. He's never played any defense. Well, Ever. and that's the thing. Mike, Mike, Mike Budenholzer was built on defense, and they had a defensive team. Now it's more of an offensive team, but they're giving up 120 and a half points a game. Yeah, that ain't pretty. Let me say this again. Doc Rivers has lost seven series when leading 3-2. Seven. Seven times. One game away. Man can't close. Man can't close. Coffee's for closers. Always be close. can't close. ABC, baby. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I think Doc Rivers is what he is. I think we all know what Doc Rivers is at this point. I guess they're just saying he's an upgrade over the previous coach. Yeah. Well, he lasted half the season. <laughs> By the way, Travis Kelsey on the uh, Kelsey Brothers podcast says that the heart sign, hand sign he did when he caught a touchdown pass was not for Taylor Swift. It's for Mama. No, he says it was for the Bills Mafia who were heckling him, and he wanted to know oh. him. It's all love. It's all love. Oh, that's – he said there were some things said about families, some pretty inappropriate things said about Patrick Mahomes. It was pretty whack. I don't hate you guys. It's all love, baby. It's he, all love. He still uses the term whack. He said whack. He's so he's just vintage, I guess. It's whack. Yeah, it's I all heard whack. heard that term in a while. Pretty whack. Pretty whack. Man. It's a wiggity, wiggity, wiggity exactly. whack. Exactly. We'll be back. Hook him up. Jerry <laughs> Hamilton coming, senior recruiting analyst on On3Sports. What does he think about the Jim Harbaugh move, and what does it mean for the players at Michigan?